Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. I had the opportunity to work with teenagers for over 11 years. And for any of you that are parents of teenagers, have worked with teenagers, you know that teenagers can be a little bit out there sometimes, a little bit maybe confrontational. Maybe they speak back a little bit, like kind of like talk back a little bit. I never did that as a teenager. I don't know what that's like. But one of the things I love about them is just how honest teenagers are. And one of the things that, again, I love about specifically student ministry at Creekwood is so many of your kids have invited their friends that don't go to church to come to the student ministry that takes place on Wednesday night or um, in middle ground in the spring and in the fall that takes place right outside these doors. And one of the things that's so cool about that is when those friends that have been invited that don't go to church invite their other unchurched friends. It's one of the coolest things. But one of the things that has happened to me on more than one occasion is a friend would bring their friend up who hasn't, doesn't have a church background and would introduce them to me. They'd be like, hey, Johnny, this is Kendall. And they'd introduce me as their priest, <laughs> which is hilarious. And my first reaction was always, um, oh, I'm not a priest. Like, and try to explain that. And I quickly learned it was just better just to say, hi, how are you doing? And introduce myself and just let it be. Um, but the reality is, while that is so far from my mind, and I don't, I hope I don't look like a priest, and I hope I don't act like a priest, um, that in all reality, I actually am a priest. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, even though you may have never thought about it in this way, you're a priest as well. Now, to kind of unpack this a little bit, I want to go back and, and really, well, first, before I say that, I want to paint a picture for you today of this a little bit. And we're going to look at scripture. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, you can. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to start and kind of line out for us what the role was in, for a priest when we look in the Old Testament. Like at the very beginning, what did God line out as a role for the priests as we see in the Old Testament. And they were essentially, the easiest way to describe this is they were the go-between person between us and God. They were the person who offered sacrifices for our sins that went to God for us, that could go into the presence of God for us. The average person could not do that. And thank goodness God didn't want to leave that there. He sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for each and every one of us. And when that happened, what's so amazing is Jesus replaced the role of the priest. And he then became the go-between between us and God. And you hear us talk about the importance of a relationship with Christ and what that means. But the amazing thing is, is that because of our relationship with Jesus, we actually have direct access to God now. That's just why you can come into a service like this and we can worship and we can learn and God can speak to you because we have this direct access to God. But somewhere in history, we mess this up. Because every one of us, if we went around the room, could tell stories about where we've messed things up in life and how if we would have done something different, we would be in a different place than we are today. And as human beings, we're really good at messing things up. And of course, we've messed this one up over and over and over. 
magic. Um, but we mess it up over and over and over. And usually what happens is we put our man-made model of religion into this model that God created. And you can see this in every man-made religion pretty much in the world is this model of a holy place. And at this holy place that people come to worship, there's a holy text. There's a scripture, there's a text, there's an inscribing that gives direction. And you have holy men that create something and kind of like, I guess, give direction and explain this. And all of this creates devoted followers. But the thing is, is that when God sent his son, Jesus, he actually said, no, 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 that's not how you do this. He said, this is now how you do this. And he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. But yet we take this idea and we take this model and we continually put it back into this idea. But the problem with it is when we do this, we automatically default to ceremony and hierarchy in our relationship than devotion and actually engaging in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what it creates is it creates a very me-centered idea and version of our Christianity, where what we do in our, our relationship with Jesus, why you come to church, becomes all about what can I get out of it? What can God do for me? What, what is God going to do in my life this week, right? And we want that, but I think sometimes we get this twisted a little bit because we go, it becomes about me and it becomes about what can God do for me? What can Pastor Stephen, week in, week out, what can he give me to get through my week? And what happens when we do that is, again, it flips this around a little bit, but we also go, if we don't get what we need, then I'm out and I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to find somewhere else that will meet my needs, that will do this for me. And it becomes all about us. But the problem with this is it's not biblical. You never see in scripture that this is all about me or it's all about you. This is not how Jesus taught us and showed us to operate. When Jesus came, he died, he rose from the dead, priesthood changed. You'll often refer, hear this transition referred to as the old covenant. So the old rules, the old regulations, and the new covenant. Last week, Pastor Andy spoke about this. And it was this transition from a set of rules to, a, to all about a relationship. It was the rules and it was this is what you do and this is how you live to Jesus going, yes, there's some things in scripture that are black and white as Christ followers and how we're supposed to live. But at the core of it is that God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And it shifted and it transitioned. There's now no spiritual special privileges. There's no spiritual hierarchy. There's no, not, none of you are under anybody that ever stands on this stage spiritually. Pastor Stephen is not this thing to idolize spiritually that we want to one day become. We are all on a level playing field. We are all believers and we are all children of God. So now I want us to jump into, and I want to paint a, uh, uh, the picture for you about this idea of priesthood. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and then we're going to move on. Because if we're all priests, and each of us is responsible for our own relationship 
with God. And you see, that's the thing that happens whenever we make this shift is we become responsible about our relationship with God. We're going to talk about, so what's the role of a pastor or a leader, a teacher that stands up here? What's the role of a teacher in a, in a life group? And then we're going to look at what is each of our role in, the, in this church family, in, this, in, in the Christian family. We're going to jump in though here. First Peter chapter two, let's start in verse four. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. So God sends his son, Jesus. He was rejected by man, but God had a plan for him. And he was the cornerstone. He was the foundation for everything about our Christian faith. Verse five, and you are a living stone, and you, each of us, are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We are a part of this. And what's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you can offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. All through our relationship with Jesus. Jesus replaced the go-between of the priests and through Jesus, we have access to God and we can bring spiritual gifts. We do that through worship. We do that through prayer, through giving of our, of our time, of our money, our spiritual acts of worship. And these are our sacrifices of praise to God. And it's all through Jesus Christ. It goes on in the next few verses. It talks about the role that Jesus plays in the body of Christ and how some people sometimes have an issue with this. But 1 Peter 2, 9, a few verses down says this. It says, but you're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God because he called you out of darkness and into the light. And it's painting this scripture that because of what Jesus has done in your life, we have the ability to impact the other people around us. And this begins to paint this picture of this idea for us as priests. What does this mean? It means that we have, every single one of us, direct access to God. It means that we have the ability to pray to God and, it, and we can ask him for things that we need in our life and things for, that we want to see him do in our friends and in our family and for him to guide us and for him to direct us. And you don't have to come into church to do it. You can do it in your car on the way to work. You can do it in your bedroom at the house. You can do it wherever you are. You can have that time with God. We can read the Bible for ourselves, and we can ask God, God, show me what's in here. Show me what you want to speak to me today. And God will speak to you through his word. And we have now, every single one of us, the ability to do this. But what it also means is that every single one of us are responsible for our own relationship with Jesus. We can never look at someone else and go, you are responsible for my relationship with God. And it sounds crazy, but sometimes what we do is we look at Pastor Stephen or the speaker that's up here and we go, man, I need you to feed me. I need you to to give me something for this week. I need you to do this. And in doing so, we flip the way God intended our relationship with him to be upside down. And we glorify someone in that position. And we put our own relationship with Jesus in someone else's hands. And then we wonder why 
We have issues when it comes to walking through life. Like Keith was saying, not trusting that God's faithful because we're looking at a man or a woman, whoever's in that position of leadership or or, or teaching, as responsible for our own faith. This is why the, the reason, and I've been in church for a long time, and you'll hear people that will leave church and they'll say, I left that church because I wasn't getting fed spiritually. Now, there's a lot of reasons to leave a church, but if that's the reason you've flipped that, And you're looking at someone else for you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've got it backwards. But here's the catch that we also miss is it means that we're responsible for using what God has given us to make a difference in those around us. What has God given you? What has he gifted you to do? What has he given you the resources to do in your life? What spiritual gifts has he given you in your life, because you see, when Jesus came and God sent his son to this earth and Jesus died for our sins and he became that go-between, it didn't just stop there. You'll hear us talk about the Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit so that he could give us power and also so that he could give each of us unique spiritual gifts. And we're gonna talk about that in a minute. You can see that in Acts Chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came on the believers and the awesome thing is he didn't just come to the select few, the disciples that were there of Jesus's that were the most religious. He came on everyone that was there. And again, you see this theme over and over again that we're all on the same playing field, that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And what this actually does, though, is it begins to demand that church is never a checklist item that we do just because that's what we do. You know, I grew up in church. I, I, we were, as a kid, I was in church Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My mom volunteered as a church secretary for a while. She, she served as a children's pastor for a while. My dad was on the board, and then he was the church treasurer. Like, when I say we grew up in church, like, every time the doors were open, we were in church. And I loved church growing up. It was a great thing, um, and I was blessed to go to a good church. And then I went, and I actually went to Bible college, and I felt like God was calling me and wanting me to go work in church and to do that for the rest of my life. Didn't know what that meant, but I went to a Bible college, and I got trained to do ministry, went to classes, got an education, got this degree in in how to do church ministry. But what I found is that I came to Creekwood, just like many of you in 2004 is when I started and came for the very first time because a friend invited me. But what I found is that when I started really getting involved and started working here is I put as many things as I could on my to-do list. I wanted to do everything in my power to, to, to make this place amazing, to, to reach people in this community, to reach teenagers in this community for Christ. But where I found myself was in a point of being exhausted, was in a point of being tired and going, God, I, I physically can't even do more. Because I began to believe the lie that as a leader, I had to do it all. And it's no wonder I found myself at that place because I was carrying a burden that I put on myself that God never intended. And I think for some of us, we've allowed, 
whether you're in a position of leadership, maybe you lead a life group or you lead a volunteer team or maybe you just come, we've allowed this idea to shift and it's really, I think, held us back from some things that God has for us. So this raises the question, so what is the role of a pastor or a leader in the church? And we talked about Jesus being the cornerstone and we talked about him being the foundation. And I wanna illustrate this with some of these real fancy um, cardboard blocks. And, but it's like this. It's like Jesus is the cornerstone to our faith. He's the cornerstone to everything that we do. He is the foundation. The cornerstone was the, the big stone. I was reading, they said some of these stones they put in as the cornerstone were huge. And it was the very base of this, of the building. It's the first stone they would lay. They would get that flat and then everything on the building would come off of that one cornerstone. It's the beautiful image of what Jesus and the role he plays in our life and in the church. He should be the foundation for everything. But then throughout scripture, we see the role that pastors and leaders should should play in the church. And I think the clearest scripture on this is Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And it says this, it says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So that's everyone from those that stand on stage and speak down to life group leaders, anybody that's speaking, that's teaching, their role is to equip his people for the work of the service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So our role as speakers is to give you tools, to challenge you, to to encourage you, sometimes to push you a little bit, to step into what God has for you so that in your own personal relationship with Christ, that verse says that you can be equipped to do the works of service, so you can be equipped to live out your Christian faith. Why? Not for your own benefit, but for those around you. The role of church leader isn't to, to just to teach, but it's to guide, it's to equip, it's to teach, it's to challenge. And so you get leaders, you get pastors, you get teachers that play part of this. And it all builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And it's all for a purpose much bigger than any one of us individually. This is why serving on a volunteer team is never about a checklist item, something that we just do or something that we wanna just fill a spot to do. If we wanted to just fill a spot or if we wanted to just have someone to open doors on the welcome team, we could get automatic doors, right? But this is about connecting you into serving because when you do, God moves and God does things in your life when we serve. And we're gonna get into more of that in a minute. So people who preach, people who teach are crucial in the life of the church, but so are people that cook, so are people that clean, so are people that go serve the homeless in Fort Worth, and so are people that do all sorts of these different things. They all play a vital role and an important part. And I think 1 Corinthians 12 lays the idea of each of us playing a part and what God has gifted each of you to do so beautifully. First Corinthians 12, if you wanna turn there, we're gonna take a look at, and I'm gonna paint a picture through this chapter and we're not gonna get into all the detail of this chapter because I would have you here till two o'clock if we were trying to do that. So I challenge you, go this week, read First Corinthians chapter 12 
for yourself. It talks about spiritual gifts and it talks about the role that that means in each of our lives. But I wanna paint you a picture of on a high level what this looks like in the body of Christ through this passage. 1 Corinthians 12, we're gonna start in verse four. It says this, talking about spiritual gifts. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. So this is saying that each of you has been equipped and given different talents, different spiritual gifts, and they may look different, but they all have the ability to serve God when we use them. Verse six goes on to say, God works in different ways, but he's the same God who does work in all of us. So just because God works in somebody's life over here in a certain way and somebody's life over here in a certain way doesn't mean it's not the same God that is working in it. And verse seven says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. So each of us have been given a spiritual gift. Why? And again, you see this theme, so that we can help each other. So that we can use those gifts for each other. And he goes on to describe the list of spiritual gifts that we have. And each of us have a role to play within the body of Christ. And even though you, someone over here may have this spiritual gift and someone over here may have this spiritual gift, when you put them together and they're used in the body of Christ, something begins to take shape and something begins to happen that could not be accomplished on its own. A few verses down, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13, it goes on to talk about the parts that each of us play within the body of Christ. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Basically, each of our parts of our body play an important part. Your heart cannot jump out of your body and decide to go live on its own, right? You would cease to exist if that happened. Each of our parts of our body play an important part and it's the same in God's family. It's the same in the body of Christ. And he goes on talking to his audience that he's speaking to. The author says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. This is the same as going, some of you live in Midlothian, some of you live in Mansfield, some are in Kennedale, you live all over. Some of you are truck drivers, some of you are teachers, some of you are businessmen and businesswomen. And, and, but we all come from these different backgrounds. We're all different, but we have all been baptized into this one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. When you come, you give your life to Christ. There's a unifying factor about that, no matter the walk and the life that you come out of. First Corinthians 12, 18, a couple verses down, continues this idea, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants How strange a body would be if it had only one part. I think we spend so much of our life looking at someone else and what God has gifted them with, wishing we had that, when God has gifted every one of us with something specific that would fulfill us and would allow us to make a difference in people's lives in a way that we could never imagine. But we spend so much time looking, going, hey, I wanna speak like Pastor Stephen speaks. I want to be able to lead worship like Sarah leads worship. I want to be able to to teach the way this person teaches, or I want to be able to, to, to lead and coordinate and serve the homeless up in Fort Worth the way Jim Hampton does. 
And in the whole time, God's sitting there screaming and yelling at you. I've created you just the way you are so that you can do something, not so that you can do that, but so that you can do something else. But I think we spend so much of our life and we miss that. And he ends this chapter with this statement. He says, all of you together, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And he goes in and lines out in the following verses, those spiritual gifts. And he says, you know, some of you are gonna have different spiritual gifts and you each are going to play a specific role. And just because you have a different spiritual gift than a different person, that's okay. Okay, but each one plays its unique part. And he ends this section saying, do we all have every spiritual gift? Of course not, right? That's the beauty of coming together as the body of Christ. But let me show you the best way to live. And in one of the most beautiful chapters in all of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, he lays something out in the first three verses that is the motivating factor and should be the motivating factor behind everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 13, one through three, he says, if I could speak the language of all earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. You could have arrived spiritually. You could have become everything spiritually that you wanna be. But if you are not doing it out of the motivation of loving others, we've missed it. Verse three, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You can give all your time. You can give all your resources. You can give all your money. But if it's not out of the motivation of loving other people, it doesn't matter. It's all for naught and we've missed it. And this idea of having to do all things out of love actually demands that our relationship with Jesus and the church is never just about us. It can't be. Because if it's about us, it's selfish and it's not out of love. And I wanna recap real quickly as we go into the next passage because we've covered a lot. First, because of Jesus, you're a priest and this means that you're responsible for your own faith. The role of pastors and leaders is to, to equip, to teach, to guide so that each of us are called and, and challenged to use our spiritual gifts, not for ourselves, but for the body of Christ. And that way, everything, and hopefully so that everything we do is done out of a love for one another. And our goal at Creekwood is to be a launching pad for all that God has for you. To, to, to pursue him in your life, to help you determine what you're passionate about and to find, you, find what God has gifted you about so we can come alongside you and help you make a difference in the people in your life so that you can be fulfilled, so you can find what God created you to be and you can become a fully devoted follower of Christ through that process. There was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian and he said this statement. He said, the church is only the church when it exists for others. 
You know, that's a cool statement. That's a cool quote. Um, you know, you could like put that on Facebook and be, people would be like, that's cool. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that would fit my message really good. And, and I saw that this last week and I started researching who he was. And he was a German theologian in the era leading up to and the early part of World War II. When the Nazis began to take power and began to slaughter the Jews. And he began to speak out against it and he faced a lot of criticism and a lot of threats from the Nazis about it. At one point, he actually had the opportunity. He came to America for a period of time. He was safe. He had no threats on his life. And God began to convict him of that. And he returned to Germany because church is only the church when it exists for others. He was told he couldn't speak in public as he spoke out against this. He was told that if he did it anymore, he would be imprisoned. And yet he continued to do it and he continued to speak out. He was put in prison and ultimately ended up being killed because he believed in this idea. Today, I wanna ask you the question, what has God gifted you to do that you are not doing? What is this for you? What has God gifted you to do that you're not doing? We had a missions team that went to the Dominican Republic in July, or in June, at the beginning of June. And one of the churches they worked with, we're closely connected with several churches over there. And one of the churches that they worked with is, is led, it's a church and it's a school that's led by this lady by the name of um, Maria. Thank you. The only service I've lost her name. Third one, sorry guys. Um, but by Maria. And I ha- we have a picture of Maria and Maria is, is an amazing lady. And this guy on the right is Tom. He works with a missions organization. This is Janet. She goes to Creekwood. And we actually have a picture of the whole team that is there with some of the Dominicans that they were working with. And she's an amazing lady. She's an incredible lady. She was married to a developer, like a construction worker and a business developer there in the Dominican Republic. They were middle upper class. We've been to her home. She has a beautiful home. We've got to eat in her home. And the crazy thing about Maria is that Maria had everything that she could have wanted. And there was one day they were in this neighborhood getting ready to do some work. It was this really nice neighborhood, bigger homes than most of us um, live in. And you go down the street, and I've driven through it. You go down this street, and it's all these really beautiful homes, nice cars, the whole deal. And there's this road that you turn down, and it's almost an alleyway. It's this beat-up road, and in an instant, you transition literally behind the wall of the back of these homes is this massive slum area. And because it's so removed, these, these people had no clean water, they had no church to attend, and they had no school. And Maria saw this and said, I gotta do something. She didn't, she didn't have some master plan. She didn't know what to do, but God had given her something through her and her husband's business. There was a plot of land. It was this field and they, did, they didn't know who owned it. And she said, let's just start doing stuff on this plot of land and the owner will show up because that's the way it works in the Dominican. And, and so they did. One thing led to the another. They ended up purchasing the land. 
They built a school for that community. They built a water filtration facility to provide clean water for that, that community. And they built this church to reach out to the spiritual needs of that community. Why? Because one person saw something that God had gifted them to do, saw an opportunity, didn't know where it would end up, didn't go, let me raise $100,000 to make this happen. She took one step. I ask you again, what has God gifted you to do that you're not doing? What has God gifted you to do that you aren't doing? I wanna invite you to jump in into a volunteer team, invite you to jump in to serve as a life group leader or as a host. Why? Not so you can fill a spot and so you can check off a list. We wanna come alongside you and we want you to help you determine who God has created you to be so that we can each play our part in, in the spirit of God in this Christian family. It may, you may find that here. But you may find that in a hospital. You may find that. I talked to someone after the last service. They're like, man, I was in prison and someone came and they spoke to me in prison and I gave my life to Christ and it turned my life around. And I want to go and I want to do that for someone else. It may, you may find it feeding the homeless in Fort Worth. It may be in the school that your child attends and you're able to serve and be a difference and a light in that school. But what has God gifted you to do that you're not doing? You may come in, you may volunteer in Creekwood Kids, and you may find that, hey, that's not quite it for you. You may go to the welcome team or the parking team, and you may find that that's not quite it for you. But then you transition and you help in Creekwood Critters in the nursery, and you find that as one, two years old, being able to tell those kids and begin at a young age to teach those kids that God loves them and he wants to be their friend for the rest of their life and the difference of that foundation that it makes fulfills you and that's who God created you to be and that's what he created you to do. You may not be able to do it for your job, but you may find it here. And not only that, when you do that, you may be able to get their parents in a service where they can, God can speak into their life and it, their, them giving their life to Christ changes the trajectory of that child's life and changes everything about their family because of that. But I promise you this, you won't ever get in and find it if you don't jump in and start searching. That's what we wanna do. We wanna come along beside you and help you determine what has God gifted you to do. And I wanna end with this few, this last verse. It was the second verse I read. It's 1 Peter 2, 9. The last half says this. And I wanna leave you with this today. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. You're responsible for your relationship with Christ. God cares about you. You are his own possession. Think about the most valuable thing that you own. And some of you in this place, you came here today and God's gonna speak to you through this, that he cares about you, that he loves you, that no matter what you've done or where you've come from, he cares for you and he has a plan for you. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God because he's called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Would you bow your heads? You know, maybe you're in this place today and you've never 
taken the step to commit your life to Christ and you hear this and you hear about your life having a purpose and God giving you gifts and specific things for you to be able to do in life and you've been searching for that fulfillment in so many different ways and you've never found it. Right there where you're at, it's so simple to begin that journey to give your life over to Christ. Right there where you're at, you can say, God, I know that I've sinned and I know that you sent your son Jesus to die for me and to die for my sins. And I wanna begin that relationship with you. I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I've messed up. Would you come into my life and be the Lord of my life? And that simply, you can begin that relationship with Jesus. If you do that today, we'd ask that you just let us know, let someone on the prayer team know after service, fill out the connection card and mark that. We'd love to talk with you, give you some information about where, where does your faith journey go from here. But for the rest of us in the room that have given our life to Christ, I just want you to take a minute. What has God gifted you to do that you're not doing? Maybe church has become a checklist item. Maybe you've been looking at other people to fulfill your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've got to start with that. Because once you develop that, God's gonna begin to show you and you're gonna be able to begin to search and to find what does God have for you. And you're gonna find so much joy and so much fulfillment in that. But you gotta take a step. God, I pray for every one of us in this room. God, I ask that you would give us the boldness and the faith to take those steps, God, to make those shifts and those changes that we need to make. God, for some of us, Uh, We may have to prioritize our life. Our kids may not have to be in five different sports so that we can have the space for this. We may have to ultimately look at changing a job. Whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to step out in faith and to see what you have for us as we take those steps in faith. God, I pray that you would be with us all this week, that you would guide us, help us to make an impact into every single person that we come into contact with and bring us safe back here next week. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.